Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometers of range. Australian owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. This is Sports Day. Welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Paul Bonzer and Dan Menzel with you. Hope you've had a fantastic day. You can be part of the show. The Just Quality Home Improvements open line, one 736 736 Give us a call on anything sport or text in 0427 154 Men's, how was your day? It's good, Bonds. And, yeah, I want some text in tonight, 0427 okay. I'm doing my top of the tree, so the best 10 yes. teams in Australian sport. I will rank again tonight as we do every Thursday night. But also there's plenty of live sport happening at the moment. We're going to give you 36ers updates. The Redbacks are currently playing in the Sheffield Shield the Australian Open golfers today, we've got so much to talk about. Toddy Gray's on the show tonight. We're going to speak with Andy Harper about the Matildas. Jam-packed again. It really is. It's a massive show. Toddy Gray might have gone all right last week too, so well, I'll leave until he gets to the He's going to be up segment, and about, Toddy. He will be. <laughs> he always is. He'll be more up and about than usual, though. Uh, and don't forget that text line 0427 154 166. Just quality home improvements. Expert in roller shutters, plantation shutters, outdoor blinds, artificial lawns, and roof restoration. And uh, it's time for, uh, I guess, the, let's talk about golf first, men's. Uh, Australian Open got underway today at two golf courses. It's a bit unusual, but uh, a couple of tournaments play like this around the world. Yeah, they do. So the Australian Open in Sydney, this tournament. So last weekend was a PGA Championship in Brisbane. They go to Sydney this weekend and then Melbourne the following. So again, you look at the leaderboard and you go, okay, where's the major players for Australia? Minwoo Lee, who won last weekend, how's he going? Well, he's sitting pretty nicely. He's five under. The leader, though, is Cameron Davis on nine under. Yes. He's had a really good day, Cam Davis, nine under. Patrick Rogers, the American, at eight under. Um, and we'll go through a few more in a second. But the one name that springs to mind is where is Cam Smith? Well, he's not – he doesn't even look like he's on the leaderboard. He is currently, after day one, one under, tied 58th. Yes. Not done. Not like he was last week no. where he missed the cut. He can still have a really good day tomorrow. He can, and, and still... they can come back. Yeah. But uh, Cam Smith not playing his best golf at the moment. Yeah, women's tournaments on at the same time, at the same courses at the Australian Golf Club and the Lakes Golf Clubs in Sydney. They're about five minutes apart from each other. Yep. Uh, for media, it makes it a bit hard, but everyone's happy. Um, the players are happy. Rachel Lee, a 16-year-old Australian, is leading that tournament. Wow. She's an amateur. Uh, minus six. Jenny Shin from the US is at minus six. And Minji Lee, uh, the brother, the sister of, she's at th- minus three as well. 
Um, so interesting. That, that's uh, the hot topic is for Irrigear as well. Time to save. Sorry. To save time and water, Irrigear is here. Irrigear offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions. Yeah, a couple of the other scores from today's round. Adam Scott is an even par, so yep. a slow start for him. Mark Leishman had a really good tournament in Queensland, finishing third last week. He's at one under. Uh, so they're, they're going to have to do a bit of work if they're going to get themselves into this tournament. Connor Symes at seven under. Yeah, Wacky Neiman. He was pretty good last week. He's five under. So he'll be thereabouts. I think we'll see and him. And most of the leaders teed off early this morning. They so did. Aaron Badley is another around. one in there at yeah. four under. So it does. So it, they should come back to the pack a little bit. But, um, I mean, Minwoo Lee, he is nicely positioned and poised to go back-to-back wins here in Australia. Did you watch the WBBL last night, men's? I did catch the WBBL last night. And, uh, look, it wasn't a close game in them, was it? No, the Scorchers lost their last four games of the season. They were well beaten by the Heat. The Heat made uh, five for 197. Grace Harris, 54. Charlie Knott, a very nice 32. Not out uh, 14 deliveries. And then uh, bowled the Scorchers. Well, they were eight for 130 after their 20, the Scorchers. So... The Strikers will take on the Heat Saturday night in the big final. Yeah, which, I mean, I think we're, I think you'd be backing us against either of the sides. The The Heat's probably the team, or definitely the team in better form. The Scorchers have absolutely fallen in a hole. Georgia Vol took four for 19 for the Heat. So they are. there's going to be a few good players we're going to have to contain. We're going to chat with Gemma Barsby potentially tomorrow night about the final. And Grace Harris is one for mine. Another 50 off just 33 to delivery. So she's one we're going to have to contain if we're going to go back-to-back in the WBBL. What about the Shield game going on at Adelaide Oval right now? South Australia taking on Victoria. Uh, it was a, it's been an enthralling contest. It's been a close contest. South Australia bowled Victoria out for 231 today. Uh, Pukowski made 65, and our man Nathan McAndrew got four for 50. But that left South Australia with 257 runs to win. Last night I said 250 might be too many. Yep. Uh, current score, men's, have you got that for us? Yeah, three for 49. So we've lost... That'll be stumps, yeah. Yeah, so we've lost the three wickets. We need 209 runs to win the game with seven wickets in hand. Now, the good news is Nathan McSweeney and Alex Carey are at the crease. So you don't want to be three wickets down, but they're probably the two batters we would like to have at the crease. Well, we don't want them out No, we, <laughs> at this point of no, the game, do, yes. Yeah, but what I'm saying is if yes. we were to lose three of the top five... I'd probably take the three we've lost, to be completely honest. Just the form McSweeney's been in, and we know Alice Carey can make runs. So the game is still completely up for grabs. It's going to be a great day for tomorrow at Adelaide Oval into the WBBL on Saturday at Adelaide Oval. What a great couple of spectacles. Hopefully we'll see in the cricket. Get down to the best ground in the world. Jake Carter out for a duck. Jake Lehman out for a duck. Out first ball, caught and bowled, Fergus O'Neill. Um, but, yes, Kez and Nathan McSweeney, probably our two best players, are at the crease right now. So another 220 runs, we win. Well, 200, yeah, 209. 209 so we, runs. We've had some really close finishes of late. We were on the right side with Jordan Buckingham up against Queensland, not the right side against WA. So hopefully we are tomorrow. The other game we mentioned uh, that is uh, based around Adelaide teams is that Adelaide 36ers are currently playing – 
in New Zealand, so a tough road trip. We know that we take on Tasmania Saturday night. A live score bonds from the 36ers game in New Zealand. It wasn't a pretty start for us. No, um, I think it was 9-1 to one to start off the and first quarter. And outscored 37-17 to 17 yeah, in the first quarter. Horrible first quarter, much uh, the same as last game they played. Uh, but it's now 53-42, so the Sixers have got it back to 11 points. We have, it's 9.33 to go in the third. So start of the second half. Yeah, so we've battled back nicely there. So we'll keep you updated on the 36s throughout the night. Now, Bonds, let's get to the cricket. So the Australian test team, we know we've got the test matches coming up against West Indies and against Pakistan. Uh, Well, we we chatted last night about potentially if Warner's there or if he's not there, who's behind him out of Bancroft, out of Harris, out of Renshaw. Well, we, we might have a listen here to Ricky Ponting on what his preference would be out of those three players. This is the good oil from Ricky. It is. The good oil. Thanks Love to Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested, and first gold-pressed in northern Victoria. Give us the good oil, Ricky. I just go on of what's happened um, most recently. And if, you, if I look at those three guys, and I, I think it's quite clear that Bancroft's the one that's got the runs on the board, um, as, as, to, as to say, and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they go that way. But if I rewind the clock back about six months, it might have been a slightly different order than what it is now as well. So, you know, I think they probably had Harris as the one that would come back in a, a while ago. To me now, it sort of feels like there's a bit more of a groundswell behind Cameron Bancroft getting first crack. Interesting that. I mean, Ricky's mm. always extremely interesting. when he talk- I feel like when Ricky talks... Not just us and fans listen, but the selectors listen as well. Everyone listens yep. when Ricky talks. It's great to have him part of our SEN team this year as well. He's it's, massive. Uh, yeah, great. Well done to our team for getting Ricky on board. Yeah. And so he mentioned Bancroft being the first man in line. I think that that's a general consensus as well. Uh, he also got asked about Cam Green and whether you'd shuffle the order, where his career is at. We'll have a listen to him on Cam Green. I actually don't believe in that. I, I think that, you know, I think Cameron Green might just have to sit back and, and, and bide his time and wait for the opportunity to, to, to come back and, you know, get a, get a truckload of runs in shield cricket and sort of force his way back into the side because um, it just just to me doesn't feel right that they're almost, you know, trying to... And, and if you think... And part of the reason why I say that is Labashane's been outstanding at number three for Australia. It's a very much a, a specialist position. Um, if they moved him up, they'd probably have to move Smith up to three. You know, he's always been that, that sort of four, that four batsman. So it... it it, it, it all sounds great in theory, you know, to get one of the, the most talked about and talented young all-rounders back into the side as soon as possible, but create some some potential issues along the way as well. So I, you know, personally, and I, I don't know which way the selectors will go, but personally, I, I would leave the, the batting order where it is. Yeah, so he wouldn't change. He wouldn't move Cam Green because Andrew McDonald, the coach, said that Green's batted well at number four, and yeah. there could be potential there. I completely agree with him. Why would you change Steve Smith, who? has dominated in that position, and we know Marnus Labashain's made runs for fun over the last few years. You don't. Cam Green has to bide his time. Uh, Ricky is right once again. Yeah. Um, good on you, Ricky. That's the good oil for Cobram Estate, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested, and first cold-pressed in northern Victoria. 36 is back to eight points, Bond, so they're making a fist of this and making a game of it. Trey Kell back in the lineup as well uh, after missing the last couple of games with a calf injury. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep you up to date till night. And don't forget, text in on the Just Quality Home Improvements open line, 0427154166. Do you agree with Ricky Ponning? Do you disagree? Should Cameron Green be forced into the side? It's interesting. Does David Warner stay in? Well, that's another That's another great question. Does he play the first test? I think he has to. Yeah. Uh, 
Does he play as many as he wants and then have a farewell tour for him? I'm, I know that uh, not everyone agrees you, with that. You know I'm not a fan of the farewell, farewell tour. If you, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think if he fails once or twice, um, yeah, might be time for Mr. Bancroft. We are here in Studio Lumo. Lumo Energy, switch to the affirmative. Join Lumo Energy today. And we're also here thanks to Kia. Kia's epic range, the Kia Sportage, the Celtos, and the electric EV6 GT. And very, very soon on the show, we're going to speak to the man who had a big week last Thursday. Or did he watch? <laughs> Greyhound Racing. Todd Gray coming up next. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter essay. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Bonds and men's with you on a Thursday. You can be part of the show. Just Quality Home Improvements open line. It's one 736 736 or text 0427 154 Men's, we're about to speak to a very happy man, uh, Todd Gray from Greyhound Racing. Greyhound Racing SA. No one runs the dogs like South Australia. But before we speak to him, we need to play this. This dog's around about 30 to 1 at the moment. Race 8, number 8, Rico Nismo. Again, I think it's a big chance of making the podium. There's a few question marks here, a few dogs which want to lead here and they're not going to get their own way. And the dogs which do lead might not handle the wet track. Rico Nismo has seen a wet track a few times and she loves box 8. Um, I just think she's a very good chance. She's not going to be up there for the lead early. She won't. But I hope they actually do take each other on a bit, burn each other out. And if a few of these dogs kind of wave the white flag the last 150, <laughs> 200 metres, I reckon half the field's already out of contention when they don't lead. Up to the turn, Rico Nismo putting it to Footrot Fender. Rico Nismo and Footrot Fender. The Ruffy, Rico. Oh, Tony, you're on fire, my friend. <laughs> oh, I, don't know who, I don't know who spliced that together, but tell them. Uh, they don't need to get me anything for Christmas. That's more than enough. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't realise what I, I didn't realise what I sounded like on radio, but it was a pleasure listening to that back the dulcet tones. Um, yes, uh, I won't be too I won't be too long on this one, lads. But um, first of all, full credit to the trainer and the dog. They do all the hard work. I've got the easy job just finding them. But I've been doing this an awful long time. I know that makes me sound like I'm old. I'm not. But when you've been doing this about a decade, nearly six days a week. That is honestly, they bet as much as 80 to 1. One place bet 100 to 1. I've been doing this a very long time. There's been a lot of races come and gone. That is the longest prize winner I have ever tipped. And I do I do keep court score and I do keep track. So I'm that petty. <laughs> Toddy, well done. Congratulations. Yes. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because you said 30 to 1 last week before the race. It did run at 80 to 1. So that is an incredible get. And uh, look, we're going to be backing you now every single night after that. Well, I've got, look, I've, got a, I've got a few up the sleeve now, but I won't lie, the last few weeks have been just just okay. Just kind of, I've been playing test match cricket in a 2020 the last few <laughs> weeks. So getting, getting on the scoreboard, but not in the way you want to, if that makes sense. Well, you're away now, so what have you got for tonight? Uh, there's a lot of people listening to these selections tonight. <laughs> Well, I'm afraid if you take these two dogs in a multi, you won't get 80 to 1 this week. But um, the first one, the best bet is race three, number two, Zinfandel Cooper. Uh, look, he is a maiden. He's only had the two starts where he didn't do too much, and he's had three months off since. And his little holiday has done him wonders. He's come back much better than this. Uh, look, this isn't an overly strong race. I generally cannot see why he won't either go straight to the front 
or sit second to the six dog. And if he can't run the six dog down, I'll be relatively disappointed. The six has a good bit of speed, but its last 100 metres, it's about as strong as a lager shandy. I've used that one before, but it's one of my favourites. Um, but so race three, number two, Zinfandel Cooper, to either go straight to the front or lob second to the six and get the chocolates. That's the best bet of the night. And what else you got for us, Todd? Uh, race five, number two, Lauren's Regret. Um, around about $6 at the moment. I would go each way here. Um, I think she, in the in the race one last week by the almighty Rico Nisbo, she led to the post. She led for probably a good 75 to 100 metres of that race before being swallowed up by, well, smarter dogs, better dogs, group three caliber dogs, um, but tonight, she drops back a little bit in opposition. She'll lead again for mine. I can't see why she's not going to go straight to the front. Yes, she does do the old Fred Flintstones the last 100 metres and tippy-toe, but there's enough speed in this race where I reckon they could kind of crowd behind her and kind of you know get in each other's way. And while that's happening, Lawrence Agret is out eyeballing out front, gets four or five links in front. And Warren, if it gets a big enough lead, the Warren getting a bit tired late. I think if she gets if she gets a soft lead straight to the front, she should not miss the top three. So race three, number two, Zinfandel Cooper is the best. And race five, number two, Lawrence Agret each way. There you go. Toddy's tips for tonight. A little bit less odds than last week's 80 to 1. But uh, look, we're going to be keeping an eye on those tonight. <laughs> Oh, no worries. Um, yeah, I, pr- I appreciate the support there as well, guys. It's been a, a long time between roughies, um, but if you've got to find one, you might as well find a big one. All right. Uh, thanks, Todd. I'll get uh, Sammy to email you that audio just so you can Lovely. listen to it over and over again. <laughs> See <ya. laughs> Cheers, Lee. Well done, Toddy. Todd Gray from Greyhound Racing SA. Uh, no one runs the, do- the dogs like South Australia. And imagine what you could be buying instead for free and confidential support. Visit Gambling Helpline. Sorry, gamblinghelponline.org.au. That's gamblinghelponline.org.au. Men's uh, quick community update. Be prepared and alert this bushfire season. Stay up to date on all bushfire warnings online with the South Australian Country Fire Service. Visit cfs.sa.gov.au. This community update is thanks to new Fire Coat, the first paint proven to protect properties in high-risk fire conditions. It is available at Bunnings Warehouse. It's a great night at the Dogs as well. We, we were down at the yeah. Adelaide Cup. Uh, Wilds and I did a, about a month ago, did a show, uh, the uh, sports day down there. And yeah, they put on a, a great night. You were there. <laughs> You're doing a great job for us. And uh, they do. They put it on really well down there. And the weather, look outside right now. It's perfect weather. To get down to the Greyhounds at Angle Park and yes. uh, see Toddy Gray. He'll give you a tip. Basketball's not getting any better, men's. Uh, the Adelaide 36ers are currently... Down 77 to 58. Against yeah. the Breakers in New Zealand. We knew this would be a tough challenge. We did beat them over there last time. We did. Though. We did beat them there not that long ago, but it just looks like uh, the Breakers are playing how they should be playing. They've only had three wins for the year, the oh, Breakers. I was about to say that they, are, they actually are behind us on the table. This will put them ahead. But th- that's the other thing that's disappointing. We spoke with Scotty Ninnis about this was – if they were able to steal this game, it would put them into the top six. And yes. so it just shows how close the competition is. This one will definitely hurt unless we can come back again. It's a long, 19 it's a long points way back now, 19 quarter. points in a quarter. It's almost unheard of. It's not, has been done before, but not very often. So question, we take on Tasmania. And I asked Scott Ninnis about this and he said they're going to just play for tonight. But we take on Tasmania on Saturday night. Two days away. Yes. If this is 20 points differential with about eight minutes to go in the game, does CJ Bruton go, okay, starters come off. We want you fresh and ready to go in two days' time. He should. It yep. shouldn't make a lot of difference.
but yes, he should run the bench for at least the last five minutes. Has to, because yep. we needed to win one of these two to stay effectively in touch of that top six. Now, it looks like this one's going to be too far. So hopefully that does happen and we can ha- go to Tasmania and get a steal from them on Saturday night. It's so disappointing. So disappointing. Um, but we got lots more positive stuff coming up on the show. We do. Top of the tree. Top of the tree is coming up, and we'll speak to Andy Harper about the Matildas as well. You can be part of the show. Just quality home improvements. Get on the text line 0427 154 166 or give us your first 11 for the test match. Give us some support for the strikers. All here on the summer edition of Sports Day SA with Paul Bonds and Dan Menzel. You got something, Menz? Yeah, my top 10 sporting teams from around Australia here with us after the break. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter SA. Welcome back to the summer edition of Sports ASA. Paul Bonza, Dan Menzel with you. And don't forget, call in. 1300 736 736. The Just Quality Home Improvements open line. Or if you're too scared to speak to us, you can text in 0427 154 166. We got a text in, Menz. Do you want to read that out? Yes, I do. Angle Park is awesome so long as you bypass Hanson Road on the way home. Some good food on Hanson Road. Yeah, Hanson Road pizza. Maybe that's what. Uh, is it Mario who was alluded yeah. to? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, time for Top of the Tree, Toolkit Depot, your trade pro partner. Everything you need to get the job done, shop in-store or online. Men's get excited. It's Top of the Tree time. I'll take it in, but don't look down. I'm on top of the world, hey. Okay, men's. this is where you give us your top 10 sporting teams in Australia as we speak. I can give you last week's top 10. Starting at number 10, the Wildcats from Perth. Uh, nine was the Adelaide Crows AFLW team. Eight was Brisbane Lions AFLW. Seven were the Perth Scorchers. I'm guessing they're falling. Uh, <laughs> six was North Melbourne AFLW. Five was the Melbourne Victory. Four was the Adelaide Giants. Three was Western Sydney Wanderers. Two was the Adelaide Strikers, and the number one team in Australia by your rankings is Melbourne United. Yeah, so that was last week. The f- and so this week means it's our fourth edition of the rankings. So who has fallen out of the tree? Well, you mentioned one of them. The <laughs> Perth Scorchers are out. Yes. They lost their last three games heading into the finals and then got knocked out last night. So not a great finish for the Scorchers. The Melbourne Victory's out as well. Another draw means that they drop down the table. They Two wins to start the season. They've now had three straight draws, so they are out of the tree. And the last one, it hurts me to say it, but the Adelaide Crows, AFLW, have fallen out of the tree. I know it's cruel, yeah, but missed opportunities has cost them. So let's have a look at the top of the tree, the top 10 teams in Australian sport right now. In my eyes, at number 10, it's the Perth Wildcats in the NBL. They didn't play last weekend. They've won five straight. They stay at 10. Hanging on the last branch. At number nine, they're new to the rankings. It's Melbourne City in the Women's A-League. Right. It's not the uh, W-League anymore. It's called the Women's A-League. They're top of the table with five wins from six games. So welcome to the top 10 teams in Australian sport, Melbourne City in the Women's A-League. At number eight, it is the Brisbane Lions AFLW side. They stay at number eight. They're into the grand final, but they did not 
convince me against the Cats. They okay. potentially should have lost that game. They will go in as underdogs Cats this weekend. Cats were good, weren't they? Cats were good, but they'll go yeah. in as underdogs this weekend against North Melbourne, the Brisbane Lions. Yeah, I don't mind that. Who's at number seven? At number seven, it's the Wellington Phoenix in the A-League. They're back into the rankings and have catapulted up to seventh with an impressive win over Melbourne City. We know how good Melbourne City's been in recent times. So the Wellington Phoenix, they're just going a little bit under the radar in the A-League at the moment. They come in at number seven. Like it. At number six, I've moved them back in. You'll be happy to know, Bonds, that Adelaide United in the A-League are back. It feels right having them in the rankings. They are straight up to number six after a quick bounce back win off the back of that shock loss to Sydney FC. Their best is as good as any team in the A-League, and that's why they come in at number six. I agree with that as well. Who's at number five? At number five, we've got North Melbourne in the AFLW. They've moved up one position. They beat the Demons, and now they've beaten the Crows. So if they can knock off the Lions this weekend in their first grand final, they would have taken down the three powerhouses of the AFLW over the past four, five, six, seven seasons. So they deserve their position at number five. They are favourites this weekend, and I think they're in a great spot to win their first AFLW flag. Yeah, I like it too, and they're playing at home in in front of their home crowd should be good now again text in on 0427 154 166 if i've missed anyone if you're not happy with the rankings but for mine bonds this top four is seriously rolling at the moment and these are the top four sides clearly in australian sport so at number four i've gone with the western sydney wanderers in the a-league i've moved them down one position even though they won on the weekend against sydney fc who touched up Adelaide united last week that's well, a hard school it is. They're going along beautifully with three wins and two draws from their five games. They've only conceded a couple of goals. They are they are the best team in the A-League currently. So okay. they are at number four, which leads us to the top three. The top three in top of the tree, number three is the Adelaide Giants from the ABL. They are 7-1. and one. They swept the reigning finalists away in Perth last weekend. They didn't, they didn't trail in that whole series, which is incredible in baseball. If they keep doing this, then they will move up to number one pretty quickly. They're, the way they're playing. Oh, that, yeah. I, even three sounds a little low. It does sound a little but, low, but it's because of the top two teams. At number two, I have moved this team down. Melbourne United in the NBL is in at number two in our rankings. They have moved down one position and they didn't play. How stiff is that? Uh, yeah, but it's fair because this is your number one. It is the Adelaide Strikers yes. WBBL team. They are up one. They've won their last five games. They host the fan, the final Saturday night here at Adelaide Oval. They will win the final on Saturday night, in my opinion, which will mean it'll be back-to-back titles, and therefore, rightfully so, they are the best team in Australian sport at the moment. And the Adelaide Strikers WBBL team, they deserve that ranking. They'll win it, and they'll be number one in Australia. Well done, men's. I like it. Uh, so I'll just go through it quickly from 10 to 1. The Perth Wildcats, Melbourne City, Brisbane Lions, Wellington Phoenix, Adelaide United at 6, North Melbourne, Western Sydney Wanderers, and the top three, the Adelaide Giants, Melbourne United in the NBL, and your Adelaide Strikers. Yes. Number one, top of the tree. That is top of the tree. So tune in every Thursday night. We do top of the tree. We'll talk about who has dropped out of the tree next week, who's in the lower branches, and who is that number one position in Australian sport. Quick score update. Sixes are back to eight points. Oh, this wow. is unbelievable. 72 to 80. Still over 5.40 to go in the game. So... 
heaps of time, the comeback kings can do it again. Could they do it again? I mean, oh, both, unbelievable. Both these teams are probably nowhere near the tree at the moment, and but it'd be a massive win for the 36ers if they can come back from 20 points down at quarter time they were. I was just going to say get it back to six, but no, it's not going to happen. Um, what uh, men's? I know you want to speak to me about Greg Swan. Yeah, so Greg Swan is the GM of the Brisbane Lions Football Club. Uh, now he got asked about the academies up in the northern states. So New South Wales with GWS in Sydney and Gold Coast and Brisbane, largely because we saw Gold Coast get a real a haul of selections from their academy in the recent draft, and he got asked about whether there's it's fair the academies and whether they should still be around the vicks are all whinging and carrying on so they'll put pressure on probably the obvious one is to take away the discount we all invest between you know again i'm not speaking to the others but you know we spend between one and a half and two million dollars a year on it and it's also for the development of the code so you sort of got to get a bit of a lick of the ice cream to get some players through that to spend that sort of money and this year because it's an anomaly because of the four to one and and they're all really good players don't get me wrong i mean i understand that but it's pretty rare that that happens i mean i suppose logic says that if we keep growing the code and there's more and more kids play and now academies get better and better that it might happen again or it might happen every second year and then that's probably going to create problems but i I think this is a little bit of an anomaly and people are carrying on a bit much. I mean, we didn't get any out of our academy yep. this year. Sydney had one and I don't think GWS had – oh, they might have had one late as well. But, yeah, it wasn't a smorgasbord. Interesting comments there from Greg Swan who is talking about – or at least from what I've taken out of that, he's trying to hold on to the academies and they they should try and hold on to the academies. They should. Because he mentions that it's there's an inequality in the league, like Collingwood's won a premiership off the back of father-son picks – but in saying that, what I think is going to happen, Bonds, is in a couple of years' time, there is going to be a lot of backlash about this and there will be something happen with the academies because he said Sydney only got one in this year and it doesn't happen that often that they get players out of it. Well, that's not necessarily correct. I've got some players from, in particular, GWS and Sydney. Now, what this tells me is if you can retain your academy players, you're going to be a very good side. And the Swans, if they win the flag in the next couple of years, watch every single team outside of those two states say that the academy system has to go. And especially if they play the Gold Coast in that grand final. Correct. I mean, we need a good Gold Coast in the competition. And so I hope that these academy picks work. But I'm going to hit on the Sydney teams, first of all, and talk about the Swans. I was at the Swans, and there's some great young talent there. These are the guys that have come through their academy. Isaac Heaney, Callum Mills, Nick Blakey, Errol Golden, Braden Candle, Campbell, and Sam Wicks. So they are pretty good. They are going to be a massive part if they can go on and win the flag. There'll be a huge reason. If we look at GWS, these are their players from the academy selection since 2013. Zach Williams, Jack Steele, Jeremy Finlayson, Jacob Hopper, Matthew Kennedy, Harry Himmelberg, Isaac Cumming, and Tom Green. So the difference there is GWS haven't been able to retain Correct. most of those players. They've only got Green coming and Himmelberg left. They've lost the top five, whereas Sydney have retained them all. So what that tells me is the academy system is set up really well for those states, and it should set them up to be in a great position to win a flag if they can retain their players. What's stopping other clubs from setting up their own academies? Well, there's rules and regulations from the AFL because – it's, it's going to be harder in Victoria who gets which area, who gets which pool. I don't think they're allowed to do it potentially. I, I think that 
I understand why they do it in the northern states. They're trying to grow the game. I up completely there. understand it as well, and I think I think it's a good thing for the northern states. No, and on football, without a states. doubt. And I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not against it. I'm, I'm I played at Sydney for a year, and I'm glad that the Swans have these players, and they're going to be a great team. And I, I look forward to watching them over the coming seasons. I'm just saying that when they win a flag in the next couple of years, if or when. And I think it might be when, with what they've done, there will be a lot more people talking about the academies then than there is currently at the moment. It, it's all coming from Victoria, though, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's pretty rare that you hear it from WA or from South Australia. Yeah, I feel like they'll jump on the bandwagon pretty soon if uh, the results go in the fashions of Brisbane, of Sydney, and, and Gold Coast will be better too. And GWS are not going anywhere as well. So if those four teams are in the top eight the next couple of seasons, it will be spoken about a lot. And uh, yeah, look, I'm not sure what the AFL should do on this one. I like that they've got academy setups for growing the game up there. But I do think that is it equal? No, I don't believe it is. I'm mm. oh, just going to give you a quick score from New Zealand. Uh, be- just before we chat to Andy Harper, it is currently 82 to 75. So it's a seven-point game, 338 left in the game. Uh, it's winnable. It is winnable. I'm not sure we can do it, but we are the comeback kings. Yeah. Um, we're going to speak to a man who knows everything about football in this country. It is the one, the only, Andy Harper. Sports Day SA on Cruise thirteen twenty three and sixteen twenty nine SEN SA. Men's our next guest is brought to us by Tire Power. The holiday getaway sale is on now with huge value on Falcon Wild Peak All Terrain Tires. And this man, uh, what he doesn't know about football in Australia, no one else knows. Uh, Andy Harper, thanks for joining us on Sports Day SA. That's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Andy, the Matildas play two games against Canada Friday and Saturday. Uh, what are these games in preparation for? Uh, well, the, uh, the Matildas have got uh, um, qualifiers for the Olympic Games coming up in February. Now, they've just, in Perth a month or so ago, played uh, through the Chinese Taipei, Iran yes. uh, and Philippines matches to to qualify for this final stage, which is in February, a playoff against Uzbekistan. So that's what's on the horizon for them. And, of course, Canada, the reigning Olympic gold medalist, will, produce, will, will, um, will present a really good opposition uh, in preparation for that. And it will just round out, apart from everything else, an incredible 2023 for the Matildas. It certainly will. So, Andy, will there be a bit of rivalry and potential revenge here for Canada, who we knocked ah. out 4-0 in the FIFA Women's yeah. World Cup? Well, um, that's up to Canada. <laughs> the Matildas are in a great place at the moment. Canada, not so. I mean, they went into that World Cup, uh, as I said before, as, uh, as the current Olympic champions, um, with a lot of really good players playing with a lot of our girls, actually, in the, in the top leagues in Europe, etc. Um, but their World Cup campaign, it seems, from the outside looking in, was overtaken by an off-field spat with the Federation about pay, etc., um, it's the only thing I can put it down to because for a team of that quality to not get out of the group stage, I mean, the, the Matildas, as good as the World Cup was, struggled to get out of the group as well. Let's face it, that Canada game was pivotal uh, and Canada were just terrible and the Matildas too good. Uh, and so the question for the Matildas is what sort of Canada confronts them on the weekend um, because they're going to have to show a marked improvement, obviously, going into the Paris Olympics next year, for which they've already qualified. This is the Matildas... Uh, yet to qualify, that'll happen in February, as I said. 
but the Canadians have qualified them in the US out of that part of the world, and, and they need to get back on the horse quick smart because the World Cup was a disaster for them. So, Andy, on to the Matildas. We, what sort of lineup are we expected to see? Because we know that Kerr, Arnold, Grant and McNamara are all out of these games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Sam Kerr and Mackenzie Arnold are the only regular starters, first 11 players. Uh, Charlie Grant, um, whom I love and has done fantastic at South Australia Girl, but she's um, basically second fiddle to Ellie Carpenter. Um, of course, you could debate whether she should be second fiddle or she should be the starter, but that's a good discussion to have. Now, what, what we know with Tony Gustafsson is um, he rarely, he rarely, I can't think ever, to be honest, but rarely to cut in some slack, goes into these things experimenting overtly. So I think uh, outside of Sam and Mackenzie, who's made the number one jersey her own, then it'll be the, the strongest available squad. The question is who comes in for them. Tegan Micah, I'd assume, will come in as goalkeeper. And then um, maybe Amy Sayer to play up front for Sam Kerr. And the rest would be as one might expect it to be. You mentioned Gustafson. Uh, there's been a bit of r- rumours around that he might have another job coming up uh, shortly yeah. down the track. Um, if he accepts that job with the Swedish national team, how does that affect Australian football? Well, we just move on. You know, the strength... Um, and, and look, the coach deserves credit. Yes. You know, coaching teams to, to the bronze medal playoff um, at the Olympics and then the semi-finals at the World Cup. You deserve credit that's going to come your way. But, but uh, at the same time, the strength of this team is the players. Yes. And so we just move on. I mean... Um, it doesn't perturb me as a fan um, being involved in the game that, that Gustafsson is throwing his hat in for other jobs. Um, the problem he might face is not from the public who are thinking, well, if you keep saying how much you love the Matildas but you keep looking for other jobs, how much do we believe you? Um, but that, that's water off a duck's back in, in this world. The, the bigger issue is how he manages that inside the dressing room with the, with the players. Now, in this situation, these sorts of situations, most players are pretty transactional, pretty pragmatic. Uh, he's the coach while he's here. We enjoy it. We do as well as we can. If he decides to move on, that's his business, and we'll get on with it. But there equally are other personalities in any dressing room who would be uncomfortable with the perceived inconsistencies of, yes, I love this team, I'm totally committed, but, it, but also I'm looking for another job. Um, doesn't bother me. It's going to get under the skin of a lot of fans. But the big, most important thing is how the, the players, who are the most important in this whole mix, how they respond to it. So on to the players, Andy. The FIFA Women's World Cup in this season or this year, the fanfare around that was incredible here in Australia. Yeah. Now they've gone back and they're playing for their club team. How have the likes of Mary Fowler, Mackenzie Arnold, Ellie Carpenter, you mentioned those players gone since they've uh, since that World Cup here in Australia? Yeah, pretty well. I mean, Mary Fowler finished last season at Manchester City, not playing a lot, a few injuries, had a stellar World Cup and has played more to start this campaign. Of course, the big mover in the Women's Super League in England has been Kyra Cooney-Cross and moved to Arsenal from her club in Sweden. And it's taken her a while to win the favour of the coach, but for the last three or four weeks, She's been in there starting 11, keeping some very seasoned professionals out of the team and doing brilliantly. Claire Wheeler, um, we haven't seen a lot of Claire Wheeler, but, but you know she's methodically and quietly going about her own career and is playing regularly for Everton. Uh, Tegan Micah just made her debut for Liverpool. Um, so the girls, have, uh, it, the girls in, in uh, Scandinavia, because of the seasonal differences 
most of them are looking to move and we haven't really seen them settle, particularly since the World Cup. Um, but the girls in Western Europe, they're straight back into it and firing. I want to ask you about uh, the success of the Matildas and how that's affecting women's football, especially, I guess, the youth leagues. Has, has there been a rapid growth in that area? Oh, look, I think the response has been huge. We're actually not going to be able to test it completely until February, March next year when people sign up for the winter competitions. Most, Although soccer over summer um, is still very, very popular. A lot of six-a-side summer competitions going right around the country for men and women, all ages. It's, it's it's a 12-month year proposition. But the real, the real numbers um, will be generated when it's registration time next year for the winter season, and that's when we'll get a big indication. And I think it, there's going to be a huge spike. I mean, the game's been growing with, um, by significant percentages year on year over recent years anyway without the Women's World Cup and its success. So you can only imagine uh, the injection that's going to give the whole thing. They play at Starlight Stadium in British Columbia. Uh, do you know much about the stadium and what sort of crowd no. will they expect? No, nothing. No, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Same as hopefully us. They'll get a decent, yeah, well, hopefully they'll get a decent crowd. I mean, you know, the Canadian women's team is, is, is a big thing in, Canadian, in, in, the, in the matrix of Canadian sports, similar to the Matildas, although without that huge spike last year. Plus, the other thing for Canada is... Um, yeah, these, these two matches are serving as a farewell for one of the game's greats, Christine Sinclair. She's played over 350 games for Canada. Um, she's 40. She's had 28, 24 years in the national team. She has been one of the leading players in women's football on the globe. And I suspect, I hope, for her sake uh, and for what she's achieved and what she represents, there will be a big turnout of Canadian fans to say cheerio, to watch two great teams play, Canada and Australia, to watch a lot of female superstars play, but also to send off one of their own with real fans. I hope, I hope Christine gets that because um, she's been a huge contributor. Andy, we talked about the success of the World Cup. I'd love to know what your opinion is on this. How concerning is it for the women's game in soccer with AFLW here in Australia the WBBL, there's a lot more money going into cricket, into the IPL over there. How concerning are the other mm. codes for women's soccer? Well, it's, not, it's just, it's no point being concerned about it. It's just Australia. I mean, there are so many things on offer. Yep. Um, and soccer in Australia doesn't have the same commercial support as other sports that you've mentioned. And, and that's just our reality. Um, what we tend to find with soccer is that just the sheer popularity of the game means it becomes, it is very resilient and it's almost, apart from on the margins, it's almost impervious um, to, to the developments in other sports. No, my view is so long as people are playing something, I don't care. Yeah. Um, my, my, if, if I was to be pushed, naturally I'd, I'd want them to be playing soccer because I think for Australia, as we've seen with the World Cup, you know, the international kudos you get from being good at this game is, I, I, look, I, I mean, I, AFL doesn't even... It's not even a blip on the radar by comparison. Now, that's not to rain on AFL's parade. It's a great game. It's our game. A lot of people love it, love playing it, blah, blah, blah. It just has no international profile. Correct. Um, And that's not being contentious. It's a statement of fact. Mm. Um, And and having a a wonderfully successful AFLW does very little for Australia on the international sporting map. That's a fact. Um, That doesn't mean it's a better or worse game than soccer. It just doesn't have the global reach, whereas the Matildas... I mean, Sam Kerr is a bona fide superstar around the planet. Mary Fowler will be the next one. And Australia, really, it's not about soccer being concerned. It's what does Australia want to prioritise? 
Yeah, it's you know, do, do we want to push our international case and reputation through the likes of a Mary Fowler? Um, um, or, or are we just happy for this bun fight at home, perceived bun fight between sports clawing over each other for funding and money and attention and all those other things? It's just, it's the way it is in Australia. But, but if, uh, if, if Fair Income want to be something in the, in the world of sport, then you, you play the world sports, the big ones. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point you make, Andy. We take on Canada. Where can we watch and what time will it be on? It's a, well, it might be a convenient time, but it's not stupid o'clock for a change, watching <laughs> our national teams overseas. Comes through mid-afternoon on Saturday on Channel 10, Paramount Plus as well. Um, it's 2 o'clock the kickoff, I think, Eastern time. Yep. Um, so, you know, get home from your Saturday shopping or running around with the kids' cricket and basketball or whatever. <laughs> Um, and sit down in front of the telly and watch the champion Matildas go. Fantastic, Andy. Great chat. Always good to talk to you and appreciate your time. Anya, thanks for having me. Andy Harper there, one of uh, the legends of football in Australia. A great caller. I love listening great to Great caller. Him. His knowledge is hey, that's unbelievable. Is his knowledge there. I mean, his answer about AFLW, the cricket here in Australia and, and soccer, it makes some great points. Like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's soccer is a world sport uh, as long as they're playing something, and I agree with that completely. Such a great attitude. Yep. Like normally you hear people stick up for their sport, but he's he's no no no. We want we want kids to play sport, but uh, whatever the sport may be, yeah, great, fantastic stuff. No, it is. It is really good stuff. We we obviously know a massive day for the Redbacks tomorrow. Bonds, will we win? Uh, yeah. Oh, I I don't it'll... I don't know. Look, I, I said two fifty was going to be hard to chase and it's going to be hard to chase yeah it will be but uh now look we'll be back tomorrow night uh we'll have our tv guide tomorrow night have you been paying attention tomorrow night as well have you been paying attention dan menzel i really hope so we're going to chat with Gemma barsby as well ahead of the massive final in the wbbl the strikers they take on the brisbane heat i think we'll be good enough we'll chat with her about it though oh come on strikers got back to back it'd be awesome that would be. We will. We'll go back to back. Have a great evening, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow night right here on the Summer Edition of Sports ASA. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Australian-owned and supporting communities, the arts and you. Join Lumo Energy today for a brighter...